I believe he taught us a principle that our greatest thing one man, one woman can do for another man, another woman, is to pray for them. Amen. Can I say something? People may run from your words, but they can't run from your prayers. Because that's just like trying to run from God. Amen. You imagine, could you ever imagine really trying to run from God? When you get there, he's already there. Amen. Then you take off again, you get there, he's already there again. Amen. It's pointless to try to run from God. He's there. Amen. He's already there. Amen. So anyhow, find your place, the book of Ephesians. And I want to start around verse number 17. And uh, I know I'm fixing to dive off into a subject tonight that there's no way uh, I can finish it in the uh, uh, the little bit of a time that we've got together. So I'm just going to probably skip across and give you some things and lay some things before you and, uh, and just kind of challenge our hearts tonight. Uh, what I want to talk to you about is... Um, uh, P- Paul is writing to the, the church at Ephesus and the Ephesian elders, and he begins to deal some things. And you'll find that whenever I talk to you about the, the subject we're going to preach on, you'll understand what I'm saying. There's much said in the New Testament, and even some places in the Old Testament, where the Bible talks about uh, what is going on in our life, but he talks about it in a particular way, and he talks about what's going on in our minds. Can I say this? There's not a person breathing air in this room that we all fight battles in our mind. Amen. Uh, Can I say it this way? The mind uh, is the driver's seat of the body. What, what What you see people doing in their physical body, their body, what you see people doing, their actions, their acts, that is all because of something that took place in their mind before the action took place in their body. Amen. And I want to say this, the mind is the breeding ground for all action. That's where it starts at. That's where it comes from. And the Lord says a lot and sees fit to, through not only Paul, but through other men to write. And we know this, the writing of, and we know these men were just men, but the Bible called them holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so just like God could take a little Mary and and conceive in her a, a pure, pure child and she could bring forth the Son of God, this is no different than he could take a, a, a carnal man, just like he took a carnal little girl, and he could, he could bring perfect things from their lives. And so holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so Paul, and not only Paul, but other men through their penmanship and through the unction of the Holy Ghost wrote a whole lot about the mind and about what goes on in the mind. And I want to say this, we're living in a day where the minds of God's people is attacked more now than it has ever been attacked. And it's because we are more open. We have more avenues. There are more avenues uh, that the devil has uh, secured the ability to plant seeds in the minds of God's people. Now, let's just go ahead and just lay a foundation right here. There's only two ways that the devil can get into your mind. And that's through the eye gate and through the ear gate. Amen. What you hear and what you see is a can be a direct line into uh, your mind. Now the Bible tells us in these verses here is what I'm going to end up with that we're not to give place to the devil. Uh, we are commanded. Now, I want to say this. You can look toward heaven and say, Lord, uh, don't let the devil do this and don't let the devil do that. And I, and I understand God's protection and provision. But there are some things that are our responsibility to take care of. 
Paul writing to these Ephesian elders, he said, he said, guys, you need to know something. He said, neither give place to the devil. He said, don't let your actions be that of such that give the devil advantage in your life and ultimately in your mind. Amen. Verse number 17, the Bible says this. Now keep your Bibles open because we're going to look at several different places. He said, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth. Now he said, now that you know. Now that you're saved, now that your life has been changed, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, and here it is, in the vanity of their what? Mind. Don't walk in the vanity of the mind. What is the mind? What does the word vain or vanity means? It means emptiness. It means uh, of no worth, of no use, of no good. He said, don't let your walk be that of the other Gentiles. Now he's talking about those that are not believers, those that have not trusted Christ. And then, then, then in verse number 18, he starts giving an example of what those other Gentiles are. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from, uh, being alienated, uh, from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. They've not trusted Christ. They've not accepted Christ. Because of the blindness of their heart, they still believe, I'm sufficient. I don't need God. I'm a man. I can take care of this. I'm a woman. I don't need, we don't need God. We, we've got in us what we need to make it through this life. But the, the, the Bible words used there, but they're ignorant because of the blindness of their heart. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness. That's uncorrupt live. That's a corrupt living. Working all uncleanness with greediness. Look at verse 20. But ye have not so learned. Now he's writing to the believers. He's writing to the elders of the church and the believers over there. He said, but you know better. You've not been taught this is the right way. You've been taught better. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off, here it is, concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful us, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which is after God, created in righteousness and true holiness. Now let me say something right here. Uh, we hear a lot of talk and a lot of debate in the day in which we live about righteousness and, and about holiness. I had, I, had a, I had a Church of God man look at me the other day. He said, you a Baptist? I said, I know I'm a Baptist. He said, I said, you're a Church of God. He said, yeah. And he said, but you, you, you talk about holiness. I said, yeah. He said, so you're a Baptist that believes in holiness? And I said, well, I am. I said, but, but I've got a Bible that believes in holiness. Do you know what holiness is? Holiness is the result and the action that's produced uh, because of a life of righteousness. When you and I live a righteous life, a right life, right living, right life, when we live a right life, it's going to produce holiness in our lives. Because what we'll do is, is this, we'll have a righteous actions, a righteous tongue, righteous thoughts, righteous living, and that's going to produce true holiness. Look what he said there uh, in that verse. He said this, that you may put on the new man, which is after God created in, 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 you put this man on, created in what? True righteousness that produces righteousness that produces true holiness. Now, what were the disciples known for? The disciples, not the disciples, but what were the Pharisees known for? They were known for what? Bragging about vain holiness. 
They said, we fast twice a week. We give tithes and we do this and we do this and we do this. But they were doing it with a corrupt heart. That's not holiness. Can I say something? That's just as abominable in the eyes of God as blatant sin is. Because it's not true. But when we choose to live a life of righteousness, the fruit of a righteous life is going to be true holiness in the life of a believer. Amen? And so anyhow, and so he's admonishing them that this is what their walk should be like. And understand what he's saying now. He said this, it's because this is what takes place. And look what he said in verse number 24. He said, and that you put on the new man, which I'm sorry, verse number 23. He said, and be renewed in the spirit of your what? Mind. There's that word again. So we see two statements made. The first one in verse number 17, we see the what kind of mind? We see the vain mind. But then in verse number 23, we see this. is that They're admonished to put on this new man and put off the former man, the former conversation, put on the new man and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So we see the contradiction of a vain mind and a renewed mind. Now, what's that word renewed mean? What's a renewed mind? It's a mind where it's, it's, it's thinking that has been set in order that's no longer out of order. Can I say this? When I was lost, I thought I was doing good. Let me make a statement right here. I, I was 15 years old when I got saved, but up until that point, I had lived, and y'all know my testimony, I was not raised in a Christian home. I was a bus kid. I started riding a church bus at the age of five, and then when I got older and didn't have to, I didn't, and then my aunt started taking me back to church, which ultimately led uh, to me uh, uh, hearing the gospel and getting saved and getting born again. Uh, but can I say this? I, 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 can, let me just say it this way. I didn't have an option at my house but to be good. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. Let me say it this way. My mama didn't put up with no junk. Right. Amen. Uh, can I tell you something? I, I never would have walked in and, and looked, at, looked at my mother in the face and said, uh, hey, woman, what's for supper? Amen. Amen. I'd still be talking crooked today, amen, if I'd done something like that. I mean, you say, what, what do you say? I'm saying this. I, I, I was taught, even though I was not raised in a Christian home, I was taught morals. I was taught respect, amen? And can I tell you something? There wasn't an option for any, it was that way or no way. There was not an option, there was not an alternate choice. There was not an A, B, C, D, there was A. This is the way it's going to be. My mother, whenever I was 12, 13, and 14 years old, my mother went to the beauty shop to get her hair fixed and done, all that kind of stuff. Can I say something? My mama, she wouldn't leave me at home, she's afraid I'd burn the house down, so she'd take me with her. Do you know what a fort, what it is like 13, 14 year old boy has to go in a beauty shop and set? And let, we'd pull up, we'd pull up, we'd pull up in the, in, in, the, in that parking lot and, and my mama would look over me and she said, hey. I said, yes ma'am. She said, you go in, you get a seat, you sit down. And she said, you better not move. Yes ma'am. Now my, what my mama would do is she'd go in, they still had one of them old timey Coke machines where you get the glass bottle Coke out. I got a Coke, I got a bag of peanuts, and, 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 and unless the building was not just on fire, but unless the building had done burnt halfway down, I was not able to get up. Amen? Amen. Now, and if there was no seats available, you know where I had to sit? In a hair dryer. Exactly right. No, I had to sit in, in the hair dryer where the women with the silver hair would go after they got all that stuff done. Somebody say amen. Y'all know what I'm talking about. 
I'm talking about blue, that blue hair. You know, my, listen, I, I'm talking about back in the day when they, when they, I thought there was a mistake took place. I told my mama, I said, that woman's got blue hair. And, and, and my mama said, that's what she wanted. I said, who wants blue hair? Nowadays, everybody wants blue hair. Amen. Blue, green, yellow, polka dotted, striped, and everything else. But anyhow, but I would, I had to sit in the dryer until some lady come by and needed that, needed that hair dryer because they had all them curlers up in that head. Amen. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But anyhow, then I got up, and if there was no seats available then, you know where I sat? I sat in the floor. Quietly, respectfully. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about morality is not what we're talking about here. He's not talking about morality. He's talking about true righteousness, and he's talking about true holiness in our life. Not just doing things because of fear of judgment and chastisement, but doing things because your heart putting off, taking off that old man, putting on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And look what he said this, verse number 26. We all know this verse. Uh, he said this, be angry, sin not, let not the sun go down on your wrath. Verse number 27, neither give place to the devil. Now, if the Lord help me for just a few minutes. I want to challenge your hearts tonight on this thought, on Satan's mission for your mind. Can I tell you something? The adversary wants to consume our minds. Now, I'm just going to be real plain. Now, y'all, y'all made prayer requests this morning, and so it, y'all made it public. So I'm going to say some things tonight. I sit and listen when I go to churches. Uh, in the men's prayer room, I listen to people bear uh, testimonies about needs and, and prayer needs and burdens and things on their heart today. We've done it tonight. We've done it this morning. Uh, a lot of things have been mentioned in the avenue of prayer as a prayer request before we even started the service. Uh, the dear brother, I, uh, we sung a song, and then he asked for a prayer request. You say, why? Because we as God's people, believe in the power of prayer. But I want to say this, by, by being here, two things I can identify. Uh, number one, y'all believe in prayer. But number two, there's a whole lot of needs around here. I, I mean, we probably do not what most people would call a small congregation. But can I tell you something? I can guarantee you in the three times we've met together, prayer room and two services, I can guarantee you there was well over 30 prayer requests that were mentioned. You say, what are you saying all that, Brother Stacy? Why are you telling us all that? Why are you? Because the fact of the matter is, is this. I want you to understand that we are a needy people. That we need God's intervention. This morning, I, I preached to sinners and I, and I preached that God would stir the saints of God up and stir us up in the work of God and things like that. And, and thank God for that. But you say, why do you do that? Because the reality of it is, is this, is because the devil wants to convince us in our minds that these things are not important. He wants to tell you that prayer is not important. He wants to identify, he wants you to think that prayer is, uh, will not move God. That God does not move in response to prayer. Can I tell you something? I, 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 a friend of mine was in a meeting the other day and he said a man got up in the pulpit and he said, all you people that's got that prayer changes things on your bumpers, you need to rip it off because it don't. I said, that's when I'd have got up. And went to the fellowship hall and got me a candy bar and done something productive. Somebody say amen right there. I'm not going to listen to that. That's heresy as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the Bible said this, in all things by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known of God. Uh, and you say, why do we make our requests known to God? Because God moves in our behalf. Yes, we pray. And God, if it's this, if I'm not praying in your will, God, help me to understand your will and accept your will. But God, I'm asking you to do what I can't do. Don't, don't tell me, God, don't tell me God doesn't respond. I can go too far back in the Old Testament and all the way to the end of the New Testament. I can find you. Even Jesus has said, pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he'll send 
bring forth labors into his heart. Prayer is powerful and prayer works, but a person that's defeated in their mind will not pray. If we're convinced that prayer doesn't work, so it's a battle of the mind. These things that I'm talking to you about are battles in the mind. Do you understand that the Bible gives us 16 primary positions about the mind? And can I say this? Twelve of those are positive positions. Four of those are negative. Can I tell you it talks about a willing mind, a working mind, a ready mind, a humble mind, a renewed mind, a persuaded mind, a fervent mind, a lowly mind, a, a, a readiness a readiness of mind, sound mind, a ready mind, a pure mind, twelve positive. But then there's four negative. They use a wicked mind. Proverbs 21, 27, a carnal mind, Romans 8, 7, a fleshly mind, Colossians 2, 18. And then he uses this word, a reprobate mind, uh, over in the book of Acts, chapter number 1, verse number 28. A lot said about the mind. And, and, and can I make a statement here? And, and I'm going to say this to the young, to the middle-aged, and to the old as well. Can I say this? There is no exemption on the attack that comes to the mind. No exemption. Can I tell you something? In these uh, 32 years of ministry, I've prayed, I've dealt with, I've counseled young people, teenagers, uh, with, with mind issues and mind struggles and battles going on in their mind. I've done it with peers my very same age. And I've also sat uh, with, with, with aged men and aged women uh, that I'm talking about love God. And, I'm, and I'm, ta- I'm, not, I'm not talking about shallow Christianity. I'm talking about faithful to church. I mean, they're there every time the doors are open. They tithe, they give, they lay. They work, they love God, they love people, and they're fighting battles in their mind. Why is that so prevalent? Well, number one, we live in a world that tries to attack the mind. Saved or lost, the world is out to get the minds of people. That's the reason why I said what goes in this ear gate and what goes in this eye gate, you've got to guard those things. Amen. My wife and I were made a statement. The grandkids, they, they, of course, you know, we, we like them to be there at the house uh, as much as we can, amen. Uh, and you grandparents understand what I'm saying. We love it when they come. But I'm telling you what, when, when they leave, we so wore out, we can't see straight, amen. I mean, my wife's like, I just cleaned this house. And I said, don't look like this house has been cleaned in 10 years, amen. I mean, that's just the point of having grandkids around, amen. Uh, but the reality of it is this. My wife said, we're going to have one of my grandsons. She said, we're going to have to stop letting him, and it was a cartoon, a Spider-Man cartoon. Now, listen, I grew up on Spider-Man and Superman and all that kind of stuff. I said, Stacey, every time he watches that, he, as soon as he's done watching that, he, he starts trying to do all that stuff, and he's aggressive to his brother, and he's aggressive to his sister. We got to noticing that. So we, we got, when he'd come over, we wouldn't let him watch it. Whole different actions, whole different attitude. You say, what are you talking about? All that stuff sitting in there and pumping that in your eye gate and listening to it with your ear gate. As soon as it was off, then he wanted to start performing all that stuff. He wanted to climb trees and swing. He wanted to tie his sister up and tie his brother up. Well, they didn't want to be tied up, amen? So then it was a fight. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying this. It affected him it, it, from his mind standpoint. It become, it, it become real in his mind. So then he started acting on that. Amen. Now listen, I t- have people tell me all the time. Well, the kind of music I listen to does not influence me. That's a lie. It does influence you. Can, let me make a statement right here. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a songwriter. Now, y'all know I don't claim to be a good songwriter, but, I, but I'm a songwriter. I like to write songs. There's three things I want to happen when I write a song. Number one, the, the first goal of my songwriting purpose is, is this. There's a message I want to present. 
Every song, I, even the, some of those songs tonight uh, that I've sung today, I didn't write those. But the reason why I sing those songs is because they have a message that I believe will be an encouragement to the hearts of God's people. Uh, let me just tell you, tell you an example. Uh, my Lord's taking good care of me. Well, what's the message there? Well, I'm never forsaken. I'm never alone. One day I'm moving to my brand new home. I'm blessed beyond measure. Just look close, you'll see. My Lord's taking good care of me. What am I trying to tell people with that song? That God is good and that God is faithful and that God takes care of his children. Amen. And in the verses, I, I tell stories. I tell stories with those. I got up this morning, started my day. God's mercy was with me all of the way. His goodness, it stayed close by. To meet all my needs, my Lord's taking good care of me. Same thing over and over and over. There's a message. The number two with that message, that message I want, I want to, I want to present. I want to present this, not just a message to you, but then I want to present a mindset to you. I want you to think about it the way I think about it. I want you to think about the Lord as a good God. I want you to think, you, I want you to think about him as a provider. I want you to th- think about him as a God that gives you goodness and mercy that follows you. I, there's a mindset I'm trying to produce. And the third thing is, is this. When I present you a message and, I, and, and you acquire the same mindset, and then the third thing, this is the goal, and that's, that's a movement. I want you to trust God like I'm trusting God. I want you to think about God the way I'm thinking about God, and, and I want you to act upon that. That's me as a songwriter, as a gospel music songwriter. Can I tell you something? It ain't no different whether it's rock and roll, uh, bluegrass, pop, country, so forth, so on. They're, they're message, mindset, and movement. That's what the goal of music is. You say, I don't believe that. Go all the way back to the book of Daniel. At the time, you hear the sackbook, the harp, the psaltery, the dulcimer, all stringed instruments. What are you going to do? There's a message. What are you going to do? You're going to have to develop a mindset. This is what we've got to do when we hear the music. Why? Because when we hear the music, we know that we've got the message. We hear the music. Now what do we got to do? It produ- you bow and you worship. There's the movement. It plays out all through Scripture. You say, Preacher, what are you saying with this? That's the reason why what we put in our mind is so detrimental. Can I tell you something? There's times, you and I, there's just some things we don't need to listen to. And I'm not just talking about music. Sometimes there's some people you don't need to listen to. Amen. amen. Sometimes you may need to take your shopping cart and go down another aisle. Somebody say amen right there. Amen. Hey, that's a true. That's an honest to God's truth. Amen. amen. And, uh, and and I'll be honest with you. There, I, I, and it's not to say you don't love somebody, but there's just some people I don't. By the time I'm through being around them, I'm negative. I'm discouraged. I'm defeated. Somebody say amen. Don't look at me all funny. You all know what I'm talking about. They some people just suck a life out of you. Amen. And, and that stuff begins to weigh on your mind. That's the reason why I don't want to be that kind of person. I don't care if I am sick. I don't care if I am fighting kidney stone. I don't care if I am headed to the hospital for surgery. Can I tell you something? I don't want that to be the major of my life. I want that to be the minor of my life. I want the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the provision of God, the blessings of God. I want that to be the major of my life. But can I say something? That only happens when we purpose that in our minds. Trust me, there's not, a, uh, there's not a one of us that doesn't fight the battles of our mind. But we've got to learn how to fight them correctly. And this is what Paul's telling the church at Ephesus. He said, don't give place to the devil. Amen. Sometimes you, I just have to look at the Lord. And I'm, I'm going to be transparent here. Sometimes I just have to get my prayer place and say, Lord, my mind's a mess today. I really need your help. Amen. Amen. 
I want you to forgive me for my sorry way of thinking. And God help me, to, to, and I'm going to get to it in just a minute, to do what he said over in Philippians chapter number 2, think on these things. Help me not to think on them things, but help me to think on these things. Amen. And so we see 16 primary positions of the mind. Now, now I'm going to give you this little thing right here, and then we'll let you go. Because like I said, this is really this is really a whole week of revival meeting right here is what this is. And so I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be a Pharaoh and not let God's people go. Amen. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be good to you, amen. But I do I do want to try to I want to provoke your thinking in this area. Uh, that maybe you can go out and you can start setting uh, down some foundational things that'll help you to guard your mind. Amen. And I want to say this, parents, uh with with, with kids and grandkids, uh, you know, I, I you know, I, I, for a long time I thought, you know, well my kids don't they don't they don't have they don't have mind problems they, my grandkids they're all they listen all they worried about is the next game but the fact of the matter is, is this we're living in a day where the world has so set its targets toward the minds of our kids that the, the problems they're going through and the things they're thinking are real to them just like just like you and I in our way of thinking we can be deceived somebody say amen because some of us have thought things and come to find out those were not even the re- that was not even the reality of the situations. We've all been there. And so, but if that's true for us, then it's true for our kids. It's true for our grandchildren too. Amen. And, and you know, and, and and can I say this? Sometimes kids are mean. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. They'll say. Th- Listen, I'll be honest with you. I wanted to go whoop a, f- a kid the other day at school, but it wouldn't have been good for me to be slapping around somebody else's five year old. Amen. It just that's just not good because he hurt my granddaughter's feelings. He said some very mean things to her. And I'm like, man, that that makes me angry. I want to go whoop him, amen. Obviously, he's not had enough, amen, because he wouldn't be acting like it. But anyhow, it's not my place to go slap around on somebody else's, you know, child or anything like that. But the reality of it is, is this. Uh, but but the, when I saw what what bothered me the most is I saw how bad that hurt her at five years old, and it was just very mean things that she said uh, that the little boy said to her. And I understand kids on a playground, they're going to all act goofy and say things. I, I mean, I looked at my oldest grandson the other day, the one I'm fixing to take on this trip. Uh, and, and you pray that I don't get frustrated in the middle of the trip and just drop him off in Utah somewhere. Amen. I mean, I may just say, hey, go over at the edge of that Grand Canyon. Look real far over there. Amen. Just boop. Amen. I, I don't know what happened to him. I don't know. He's just gone. Amen. He's gone. Amen. I mean, they're just kids. You know what I'm saying? But he said something to one of his brothers or his sister. And I said, I said, I said, Jay, I said, stop think about what you just said and I said now was that necessary to say no sir I said now stop and think about this if somebody had said that to you would that have hurt your feelings of course you know he's 13 and he, don't, he wants everybody to think he don't have feelings and all that kind of stuff but he does and he said yes sir and I said so now with that in view do you think it was a good choice to say that he said no sir I said okay I said let's do this I said, go apologize to your sister or brother, whichever it was. And I said, then come back to me. He went and apologized, came back. And I said, now let's you and I make an agreement that we're going to try not to let our words be hurtful and harmful anymore. Think about what you're going to say for it. Yes, sir. And I said, now, I said, I appreciate that. And I said, but now this is the reality. You do something like that again. I said, I'm your papa. I said, but I'm going to blister you behind. He said, yes, sir. And he knows I will too. Amen. I mean, I, I'm papa, but I, but listen, I, I'm just, I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm Papa, but, but, you know, there's just some things I, I ain't going to tolerate. Amen. Amen. Why? You say, why? Because it's my responsibility, too, when they're with me, to help to 
mold and to help them conform themselves into individuals that will hear the voice of God when he speaks. Amen. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying those things affect the mind. Three things that the adversary wants. Three things Satan wants for your mind. Number one, he wants a doubting mind. Can I say this? He wants you and I to doubt the ability of God. He wants you and I to doubt the character of God. He wants you and I to doubt the love of God. You say, oh, preacher, I don't believe that. Well, then how come all the way from the beginning in Genesis, why is doubt the very first thing that he used on Adam and Eve? You say, how did he do that? He made this statement. Yea, hath God said? He planted a seed of doubt. Can I say something? What will be the biggest discouragement to you in your prayers and the prayer requests that, I, that I've heard mentioned all day long is this. You know, I, I, and can I say, I, I told a preacher this one day, I don't have a problem believing God can do it for you. My problem and my struggle is believing God can do it for me. Somebody say amen right there. Amen. But can I say this? The reason why, and I want to say this, that's a faulty mindset. Because is God a respecter of persons? So what he'll do for one of his children, he'll do for another one of his children. Amen. But I want to say this. If he can get you and I to begin to doubt the things of God, that is one of the most defeated areas of the, a, a place that a Christian can ever get into. Can I say this? Uh, there are prayers that I've been praying for years in some areas and some situations. I've still not saw the answer from. Can I say something? Then there's a choice I've got to make. Keep praying. Or just give up on prayer. Well, why would I give up on the very thing that God's given me as a tool to use in this life? But the temptation to give up is there. Say, well, you know, you're just wasting your time. God's not listening to you. He don't care about that. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to put doubt between me and the Lord. Because ultimately what he wants, he wants me to stop praying. And he wants me to continue to develop that mentality to have a doubt for God. Can I say something? I've got men of God that I believe that I, I mean, I'm talking about men that I know they walked with God because I saw their life over years and saw God use them. But what I realized one day is this, some of them died with unanswered prayers. But you know what? If I could go to heaven right now and say, let me ask you one question. Uh, that situation, that prayer right there that you prayed all those years that you never did see answered, would you still pray over it again? I can guarantee you, both two men on my mind right now, I guarantee you both of them would look at me and they'd say, no, I wouldn't pray like I did. I'd pray more. Even knowing they weren't going to see the answer because, of, because I've seen too many answers to prayer. To, to doubt God on one unanswered prayer. Somebody say amen right there. God's been too faithful in too many other areas for me to doubt him in one area where it doesn't happen the way I think it should. Amen. Number two, what does Satan want for our minds? Number one, he wants a doubting mind. But then number two, I want to say this, and we find that with Adam and Eve, but then number two, he wants a distracted mind. You can write this down. You can look it up later. Uh, In Matthew chapter number 14, verse number 27, we find the story of Peter. Now what's Peter doing? He's getting out of the boat and he's walking to the Lord because the Lord's told him to come. And can I say this? And the Bible said this, he saw the wind. Now, has anybody in this room ever saw wind? I just saw the effects of some wind a while ago. Somebody say amen. Pastor is now dealing with the effects of some wind, but he can't say, I saw the wind, because we don't see the wind. But the Bible said that when he saw the wind, he began to sink. Number one, Satan wants a doubting mind. Number two, Satan wants a distracted mind. He wants our minds to be distracted with other things. 
instead of the things of God. You listen to me, that's why it's crucial that you and I spend time in our Bibles, we spend time in prayer, that we cultivate the right kind of things in our mind because if we don't, our minds are going to become distracted with other things. Can I say something? In the ministry, trying to serve God, trying to be faithful, trying to take care of a home, trying to take care of a wife. I, I don't have any children at home now, but, but they're grown, but I still worry about them. I'm still concerned about them. I've got grandbabies. I've got life. I've got bills. I've got responsibility. But in the midst of all of that, somehow we've got to balance it that we don't let our minds get so distracted with that st- stuff that we take our minds off the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He wants your mind doubting, but then he wants you, uh, in your mind, he wants you distracted. Peter got distracted, took his eyes off Christ, started looking at the wind or the effects of the wind, and he started to sink. Then he had to cry out, Lord, save me, which the Lord graciously reached down and picked him up as a response to his plea and his cry. But can I tell you something? He's the first man and the only man other than Christ that we know of that walked on water. I mean, people give him a hard time, and Lord Peter's mouth, I mean, Lord of mercy, sometimes he'd just, he'd, he'd talk first, think later. But there ain't nobody I know could say, hey, I walked on water to Jesus. God allowed him a supernatural favor to do something that no other man has ever done. And then when he began to sink, he got, the Lord didn't, now I want to say this, the Lord didn't walk up and says he's maybe gurgling underneath the water and the bubbles are coming up. He didn't say... You shouldn't shouldn't have took your eyes off of me. You should have stayed faithful. I mean, really, can you see that? Sometimes that's our perception of what the Lord does. When we fail and we fall and we come short of His glory, that's not what He does. He didn't scold him. He didn't fuss at him. He didn't do anything. He just reached down. I don't know if he had to go under the water or his hand was still up. I don't know. But we know he grabbed him by the hand, took him back to the boat. But the reason why he sunk is because his mind got distracted. Can I tell you, I don't care what our ages are in here. If we don't keep our minds tuned to the things of God, we're going to become distracted. Amen. We're, we're going to get distraught and we're going to become distracted. Satan wants a doubting mind. He wants a distracted mind. And then we see the story of Philip in John chapter number 6. Third thing, and I'm finished tonight. Satan not only wants a distracted mind, a doubting mind, but you remember the story of Philip with the loaves and the fishes? Jesus looked at the disciples and he said, uh, he said tell them all to sit down. And uh, he said, we'll give them food. And, and Philip said, Lord... He said, all we've got is uh, five loaves and two fishes. And then Philip makes this statement. What is that among so many? I don't think Philip was scolding the Lord. I don't think he was like, what's wrong with you? What are you thinking? I think he genuinely said, Lord, that's all we got. This is all we've got. What? And the Bible said there were 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Do you know most uh, uh, commentators believe that there could have been fifteen to 20,000 individuals? Five, we know there were 5,000 men. fifteen to 20,000 individuals, and all they've got is five loaves and two fishes. 
Now, now listen, I, I've been around this church long enough, and I've ate around here long enough. Some of you, some of you folks are old-time cooks. And there's one thing that not a woman breathing air in this room ever wanted to happen, and that was that there would not be enough food when she prepared a meal. Amen. I, listen, I'm telling you, listen, my wife, sometimes my wife, we'd have five, she'd prepare for 15. Because it's a whole lot better to have too much than to have to look, because it's just, as a, as a woman, my wife, my wife was raised by old school cooks, old, that old school mentality. And she said, there's one thing my grandma wasn't ever going to tell anybody. If she didn't even have to put no food on her plate, she wasn't going to ever tell nobody there ain't no more. I mean, she was going to cook to make sure everybody was fed, there was extra and abundance, and if it come down to it, she would not take any to make sure everybody else had some. That was just, that's the mindset of that day, how she was raised. And can I tell you, and, 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 and he's looking at them, he's looking, uh, Philip is like, he's like, Lord, how are we going to do this? Jesus said, just tell them to sit down. But you know what Philip's problem was? He was already defeated. Can I say something? I understand what defeat is when you don't have those answers to prayer. And, and I know the attack that comes in your mind. Well, if God loved you, he'd answer that prayer. He'd fix that problem. Can I say this? Uh, sometimes if we're not careful, we kind of want God to be a Calvinistic God when it's convenient for us. Just, well, Lord, you just make them do that. But we, don't, we lose sight of the fact the matter is if somebody's right or somebody's wrong, they're going to be right or wrong because of their choice. It's not because God's forcing them to be right or forcing them to be wrong. He's not going to force anybody to go to hell. If somebody goes to hell, they go to hell because they rejected Christ. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to You understand what I'm saying? But when, we, when things don't happen like we think they should, then we get defeated in our minds. And can I say something? If, you, if, you, if you're living in, with a burden in your mind, your heart, some things that you've not saw God do, and it's caused you to be defeated, can I say this? Don't, uh, don't lose sight of what God has done. I, I said it this morning during Sunday school. Remember when David said the Lord will preserve him, the Lord will keep him, the Lord will sustain him? The reason why David could say the Lord will, the Lord will, the Lord will is because David had known that the Lord had. Amen. He has done these things in my life, and he'll do these things again. And can I say this? But he's going to do it in his way to where he receives the ultimate glory and the ultimate honor. Satan's mission for the mind. Now let me tell you, if you still got your Bible open, turn with me over to the book of Philippians chapter number 2. I'm sorry, Philippians chapter number 4. Philippians chapter number 4. And I know these verses. Some of you know these verses better than I do. You've heard them more than I've ever heard them, preached them, or said them. But I want to rehearse them to you again in your hearing so they can get planted in your mind. Look what he said in Philippians chapter number 4, verse number 8. He said, finally, who's he writing to? He's writing to believers. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good, of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise. Now say these next, uh, these next four words with me. Think on these things. Can I tell you something? The Bible said this. He said, I'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. Can I, can I say this? Where we put our mind is going to affect the state of our heart. 
And look what he said in verse number 9. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. Look what he said. Do and the God of what? Peace. Are we not living in a day where people want peace, but they don't know how to get peace because they're trying to get it from the wrong stuff? But look what he said. He said, he said, if you'll do these things and you'll live these things and you'll walk in the things you've learned, the things that you've received, the things that you've heard, the things that you've seen in me, do and the God of peace shall be what? With you. Can I tell you something? And I'm going to say this. It's going to sound kind of harsh, but I had to come to this understanding and agree with God myself. I had to agree with God's word myself. The fact of the matter is, is most of the time our mind is in the shape that it's in because of the things that we allow. Amen. I know that hurts. I know that blisters every one of us. I, I've been preaching this for a few months now, and I still don't like it when I say that. But it's the truth. I am the guard to my mind. It's my responsibility. I can't, I can't look at my wife and say, hey, why aren't you taking better care of my mind? Hey, we're at the point in our life when, when, when we talk to each other and say to tell each other to do things, and then we, then we don't forget we done told each other those things. She told me something the other day, and I said, uh, can I ask you one question? She said, yeah. I said, how many more, more times are you going to tell me that? She said, have I done said something? I said, that's the third time you told me the same thing. She said, well, I guess I'm just... Uh, uh, I said, go ahead, struggle. Try to find something right there. She said, I guess I just want to make sure you do it. Amen. I said, no. The fact is, you forgot you told me them other two times, didn't you? She said, well, that's, that's beside the point. I said, how come it's always beside the point whenever you do it, but it is the point when I do it? Somebody say amen right there. <laughs> Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Can I say something, church? Listen at me. As long as we've got breath and life in these bodies, we're going to have to guard our minds. Amen. I'm telling you, the devil's a liar. Listen, if he can get you convinced in, in your mind that the preacher don't love you, that the person on the other pew don't love you and don't care, if he can get us convinced of that stuff, son, he's gained a victory in our lives that can lead to our defeat. Amen? But we've just got to stop and think on these things and let our mind be uh, that that would bring glory and bring honor to God. Amen? Heads bowed, eyes closed. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go over here to the piano, and I'm going to sing a verse or a chorus 